Welcome to Rack Talks, a podcast dedicated to the latest trends from the world of rack tech, fintech, and financial regulations. My name is Klaus Christensen, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Know Your Customer. Today, it's my great pleasure to welcome Evgeny Lekodet as my guest. Evgeny is the founder and CEO of Clause Match. Having worked in the legal professions for over a decade at Morgan Stanley and large energy companies, Evgeny experienced all the pains of managing compliance and sought to improve the current ways of how legal and compliance departments manage high-risk documentation. He then went on and founded Clause Match in 2012. Evgeny, thank you so much for being here. Klaus, thank you for having me. Can you tell us a bit about your background and what brought you to the world of RecTech? Absolutely. My passion has always been technology. But after the dot-com crash, my parents nudged me towards a more traditional career. So instead, I went to study legal. So I studied law in the UK and then I did a master's law degree in France and then came back and I worked in energy industry for about five years before moving to financial services. I worked at Morgan Stanley from 2009, which was probably the wrong time to move to a bank, but I saw a lot of regulatory change happening after the financial crisis. And uh, the compliance profession has started changing dramatically. Compliance officers became so important in financial services because of new regulations, because we saw a lot of new regulatory fines imposed on financial uh, institutions. And to me, a lot of the questions that regulators were asking were stored in our documents, in our processes, and how we do things within the organization. And that entire process was in chaos because every department in a large bank is doing their own thing, uh, is working in silos, and often policies, procedures, regulatory obligations are evaluated in silos. And then policies are written in a way that they might be compliant for with regulations for that particular department, but they might be contradictory to other policies within the organization. So I started ClauseMatch to solve the knowledge problem and to solve the distribution of that knowledge within the organizations. Uh, specifically in the area of compliance. That is fascinating. And it does echo what we experience with our clients sometimes as well. We sometimes struggle too when we introduce our solution with those siloed compliance, legal and operational areas and have to force customers actually to bring all those players into the room when we introduce our products there to make it a success. But I have one follow-on question that immediately comes to mind. So you started from the technical area, and I did too. I'm a technical co-founder here at KYC. Did it work well for you to take over the CEO position as someone with a lot of technology know-how and background? I think it worked well in the beginning, especially because I could speak to our technical guys, their language. I coded as a hobby, but I never coded anything for close match, but understanding what the code means and understanding the APIs and understanding the architecture of our application actually helped in the beginning, because in the beginning, you're building tech, you're not selling straight away. 
and it helped to shape the initial path of the product. I could not agree more. It's the exact same thing here. I never wrote any code for Know Your Customers product, but I could understand how we built the architecture and uh, have an eye on, on that in the early days. And that really helped. Next question. Regulators' approach and their attitude towards FIs, financial institutions really, using RegTech has definitely shifted recently. However, regulators themselves haven't fully embraced technology just yet. Most, anyway, haven't. And this applies in particular to the use of artificial intelligence. From your point of view, what are some of the most immediate applications of AI by regulators? I have seen some instances where regulators are using AI. And uh, primarily, AI has been used in uncovering fraudulent transactions, money laundering, and sanctions, because there is a lot of data out there that regulators are receiving now by way of reporting of trades, by way of reporting transactions. And applying artificial intelligence to that data set helps regulators to actually uncover instances of fraud and money laundering and transactions involved in that. It's actually very, very difficult for a human to see those connections in millions of transactions. But for an AI model, which is built in the right way, it helped regulators in many cases to actually uncover those. I think the next development that we could see in regulators adopting AI is more around natural language processing and helping their customers to understand their regulations. The biggest problem we see in our customers when we speak to them is that they're really struggling to collect all of the regulatory data which is applicable to them, interpret it, and then somehow apply that regulatory data to their organization. And the problem there is, you know, we, we might say it's trivial, it's simple. Stop publishing regulations in PDFs or, you know, on, their, on, on the websites and publish them in a meaningful way. Break them down into guidance, obligations, and then tag them with products and services and types of organizations that these obligations are applicable to. But obviously, without technology, it's, it's difficult. How are you going to tag a Word document, which is what technology is used to actually create those regulations? We have worked quite a lot with a number of regulators in helping them to digitize the regulations. And actually, we built models to help regulators to tag their regulations and break them down into obligations and guidance and so on. So it becomes much simpler to navigate those regulations. For example, I am a, a bank in a particular jurisdiction providing these services and these products. My handbook of the regulator suddenly is reduced from 2,000 pages to 300 pages. So much, much simpler, but also you can immediately take that structured data, identify obligations in a technical way, and then write your controls, policies, procedures, which are compliant with that regulation. Well, that's fascinating. What you're saying is tagging specific parts of a regulation is kind of an intermediate step from writing regulations to be read by humans only to regulations to be read by machines. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think it's a, it's a middle step towards machine-readable and executable code in regulations. Plus, 
I'm struggling to see how non-prescriptive regulation, which is principle-based or outcomes-based regulation, would be easier to apply as code. Because if we look at the U.S. system, U.S. system is rules-based, and it's much easier to codify and make it executable by internal systems of organizations. But principle-based and outcome-based regulation, which is more prevalent in Europe and, uh, and the U.K., and some other jurisdictions, it's still subject to interpretation. You're saying there are regulations that are based on principles and outcomes, and there's regulations based on processes? I'll give you an example. There is uh, a simple rule in the UK, treat your customers fairly. And then, you know, this rule has to be complied by every financial institution in the UK. But what, what it means to comply with that rule is subject to interpretation and each bank has the freedom to adopt whichever processes they have to prove to the regulator that they treat their customers fairly. So, you know, the outcome is obviously that customers need to be treated fairly and that brings a whole host of things that banks have to do to actually prove that, you know, we have to consider every financial product, we have to take it through an approval process, risk management process, you know, impact assessment. And all of these processes will prove to the regulator that the customers are treated fairly every time there is a new financial product. But in the US, it might be different. There might be a rule which actually prescribes every step that you need to do to achieve a certain outcome. That's one of the deeper causes of differences in how regulations are written and also how regulations function in society. We see a similar thing happening between company registries. We connect to them a lot that are based on collecting information and collating it for their customers in one document that they update themselves. And you only get that one document and more transactional company registries that are just based on whatever the company submits is just listed there. And if you want to know anything, you have to look through those document sets, but it's a wider document set. And that is usually the difference between more centralized law systems and the uh, Anglo-Saxon system that is based on, on precedents. Fascinating, actually. Great insight here. Thank you. Are there any jurisdictions that you know of where regulators have been pioneering the use of AI in their supervisory activity? What can we learn from these early adopters? We have seen a number of different regulators adopting innovation paths. We know that FCA in the UK is very, very active in innovation. They have done a number of sandboxes. We actually were part of one of the FCA sandboxes. And that's where we pioneered technology to write rules in a different way. You know, write rules in a structured way, apply tagging and, uh, and publish them via the API. Although FCA is a much bigger regulator, so obviously the adoption of that type of technology is probably slower. Uh, but we did work and we have adoption now in one of the new regulators in Abu Dhabi, in ADGM. And uh, we actually digitized their entire rulebook. And uh, we now publish that rulebook via the API to the participants of uh, ADGM. That is very cool. Thank you. 
We see this in our own interactions with our clients. To this day, many companies, financial institutions especially, struggle with ensuring that their compliance policies are actually followed by staff in their day-to-day -day operations. From your point of view, can technology and AI again play a role there as well? I truly believe so. Otherwise, there wouldn't be close match. But um, I truly believe that this is where we're moving towards. It's not enough anymore to have a compliance document, a policy or a procedure just sitting there in a SharePoint or a shared drive or sent via an email. We've seen regulatory guidance and um, recent guidance from Department of Justice in the U.S. talking about having compliance programs where employees engage with that compliance content. So regulators want to see that companies adopt compliance culture or compliance as part of their culture. Regulators want to see that compliance systems are dynamic, not static. And what I mean by dynamic is you don't create a document which tells the employee what to do and then not look at that document for a year and then somehow update it next year. That document needs to be dynamic. So if there are changes or market events or new regulations which impact that document, it needs to be updated at that point, not in a year's time. Because one year, uh, which is a standard review cycle of every policy, is too long. And you can't achieve it without technologies. Is that something Clause Match helps with, that when the central document is updated, that their staff is somehow notified or helped to learn the new content? Yeah, absolutely. The way we built Clause Match, it, it's a content management and collaboration platform specifically adapted for compliance processes. So our clients use it to manage updates to policies and procedures and other compliance documents like obligation documents, for example. But also, it allows to map that content at a very granular level. So let's say I've got a 20-page document, but then there are many, many sections which address different obligations, and then they need to be updated. But also, when they get updated, they impact other documents and content. You know, if I'm updating an anti-money laundering policy, which is global, then as a global bank, I probably have another 50 policies which are local in different jurisdictions. And then I've got 250 procedures which are linked to that. So updating just one document means that there is an impact across the globe in many different departments, jurisdictions, and many different processes which need to be updated or at least reviewed. So our platform helps with that. And then ultimately, When the document is changed, it gets published to the employee-facing part of the platform, employee-facing portal, where they always find the latest version and, you know, we track engagement with that content. Hmm. I mean, the value of, of such a system is, is immediately obvious. As a result of the rise of RegTech, I think it's clear that there are some changes to the compliance function. What do you see there? And I mean, both at the business level for the overall compliance department and on a more individual level in terms of skills that compliance professionals need today. Compliance departments are adopting technology at a very fast rate, especially in the last two years when we've seen 
know, people starting working from home and suddenly it's very difficult to understand who's working and what and how things are done, how decisions are made. So technology has been on the rise in compliance, but it's been interesting to see that global banks, which in 2012 said, we can't use cloud, we're not going to use cloud, we need everything on premises. You know, by 2016, every bank has had a cloud strategy. And actually our platform, for example, was the first cloud solution at Barclays Compliance, which was adopted. It's been really great to see, but there is a lot more to do. And I'm seeing so many rec tech companies solving different problems, different challenges for compliance departments. And they are being adopted and they are being integrated between each other. So it's a whole ecosystem now out there. We saw the same thing happening. We cloud deployment versus the on-premises. In our case, we also very early on bet the company on cloud deployment. And at first it was a little bit difficult, but it got easier. Then suddenly in the middle of 2020, the cloud systems were the only ones accessible because nobody was in the office anymore. And I don't think that that, that is an issue anymore. But to, to go back on the question about skill sets and so on, what we found with the compliance professionals that use anti-money laundering software like ours, we found that the staff itself is already proficient to use digital systems because they do it every day. That wasn't really a big change. It's more on the technical side and the supervisory side that more interesting questions like the ethical use of AI, the impact of training data sets on biases, that there's a whole new skill level to be acquired on, on that level of staff. Absolutely. And uh, we see that even in some contracts that we're reviewing and signing, where models and AI are involved, our customers already are asking to provide specific and detailed documentation on how these models operate and how decisions are made and you know any changes to those models need to be reported to clients so this is becoming a more and more open issue in terms of we can't have a black box ai doing some decision making for us we need to understand how decisions are made i definitely see a change in that and i definitely see the need to understand what artificial intelligence is, how it works, how a machine learns, you know, and how it makes decisions. Well, last question we ask all guests. If tomorrow you woke up and somehow you had become the global regulator, what would be the first thing you would do? And of course, why? <laughs> yeah, I talked about it. I would immediately digitize all of the regulations and provide a single source for accessing those regulations, that would have a huge impact on how much easier compliance would be across the world. That would be my very first step. Just put in the URL from the central regulator website in your products and your staff is being trained in the right uh, way. Our platform uses the right uh, details and everything is automated. That would be wonderful. Well, Thank you so much, Evgeny. This has been fun and it was very interesting. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Klaus. And uh, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Rec Talks. My name is Klaus Christensen. 
and I'm the CEO and co-founder of award-winning RegTech provider, Know Your Customer. If you liked the episode, please subscribe to the whole series and leave us a review. And if you'd like to connect with us, suggest a guest or a topic for an upcoming episode, please send us a message at info at knowyourcustomer.com or visit knowyourcustomer.com slash talks.